another fatal ramming attack, this time in Barcelona. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, uh, any of you who might have started getting complacent since we haven't had a, an attack in a little while, uh, not so fast because we just had another attack today in Barcelona. Indeed, um, Europe particularly has been under siege and particularly there have been ramming attacks, one pretty much right after the other. I'm gonna be talking today at the end about um, some of the recapping, some of the ramming attacks that have happened in Europe over this past year. But for right now, I'm gonna talk about the Barcelona attack. Now granted, we don't need, know a whole lot, and I will probably in a future uh, podcast talk about, put this current uh, attacker, terrorist, on my couch, just like I have done to previous attackers, uh, terrorists, put them on my couch. Um, this one is um, named Magrebi Driss Ukebeer, and I'll be talking to you about him in a little bit. But let me first tell you a general account of what has happened so far in uh, Spain. And um, I want to say right now that there, this might not be the end of it. What I'm talking about today, it seems like um, this is an ongoing or maybe an ongoing situation uh, because there was just another attack, not ramming, but subsequent to the ramming attack. So uh, by the time you hear this, there may be some additional information. Okay, well, let's talk about this one. In Barcelona, um, particularly uh, on the street or area called Las Ramblas, which is a popular tourist attraction with a ton of tourists and people um, enjoying their day, their early evening, amidst uh, a lot of stores, and shops and restaurants and generally, you know, enjoying themselves, when all of a sudden a van was driven onto a sidewalk hitting pedestrians. Now, so far, there are 13 deaths and about 50 injured. Of course, some of these injured are uh, very, are severely injured, and so there may in fact likely be more deaths to report. Uh, this person, the suspect, well, he's, um, I guess we need to call him a suspect still, but he was arrested. There are different accounts, you know, as you can imagine, since this is pretty much uh, enrolling as I speak, um, there are different accounts of, of the specifics. But um, so th there was the person, the, the suspect was arrested, uh, some say an hour after the incident, some say two and a half hours. Anyhow, they got him. <laughs> and um, there, there was, there's a report through from a newspaper, a Spanish newspaper called El Pay or El Pais, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, saying that the attacker uh, was a Moroccan-born man, and there's more information about him. Um, the most, now Spain, as you may remember, uh, had its most high-profile 
and most deadly attack, and this was attributed to Al-Qaeda in 2004. Now, this was when there were near simultaneous attacks on Madrid's commuter train system, and there were 192 people killed, and there were more than 2,000 injured. Do you remember that from 2004? Um, so even though, you know, obviously this isn't, uh, there aren't going to be as many dead or injured, but I guess the, the uh, most upsetting part about this is that since 2004, Spain had seemed to be somewhat, um, well, seemed to have terrorism somewhat under control, terror attacks. And uh, lo and behold, this happened and it showed that, you know, there's no, there's no way, apparently, as of yet, and probably not ever, a way of protecting against certain kinds of attacks because, you know, we don't know yet uh, whether he was part of a terrorist cell or whether he was influenced specifically by ISIS. Um, but, but uh, you know, we don't know the details, but what we do know is that one man, one man, rented a van and drove it onto a street and killed 13 people and injured 50. So these kinds of uh, attacks, which don't really take a lot of plotting and planning, can occur spontaneously uh, and, and are very hard to prevent because, because it, can, you know, it can be somebody's whim that day. Now, after um, this attack, there, there were actually, uh, it is said that there were two attackers, and again, one, one in the van that, that um, drove over the pedestrians, but there was another suspect who was uh, caught, and in fact, he was, again, different reports about this, so this is the best news that I you know, the best reporting that I have so far, but th there was a question of whether there was a second car, a second vehicle that may have been a getaway vehicle. Um, although the suspect in the van actually walked out of the van and um, he, um, he, and he was caught by the police. But now this second suspect was ultimately killed in a shootout with police seven miles out of Barcelona. Now that may well be actually that there are reports about two police who were hit at a checkpoint um, after, and this occurred after the original van attack. Um, and so it's not quite clear whether this is the same, the description of the second suspect, whether that may be um, him uh, killed at the checkpoint. So, you know, and obviously what seems most likely is that this was a second terrorist who was trying to avoid getting caught and got, you know, went through a checkpoint and then got killed. So, um, now what's interesting is that since 2015, the Spanish authorities have assessed the threat level as high, uh, a four out of five in their levels of threat the second highest level. And, um, you know, so in other words, they've been on relatively high alert since 2015. 
Now, what's really interesting is, is there is a very detailed, um, and this is to be commended, of course, which Ashley can explain why uh, since 2004 there hasn't been a, a terror attack, um, at least one of the reasons, is that they really have a very good system to try to track potential terrorists. And it may be, you know, that they are, have a, either that they have a better system than some of the other countries who have had attacks, or that there are fewer potential terrorists in Spain, and so it was easier to keep them under surveillance. But in any case, they have currently more than a thousand people who are on the radar of the Spanish police. 259 people are being investigated by the courts in Spain, and 500 telephones are being tapped as part of their surveillance. Now, you know, a thousand people, that's a lot. Um, and so it, it makes you wonder about how many, you know, certainly in France and in London, where they're, and in Germany, well, Germany, Germany is uh, out of control, in my opinion, um, because of their having let in uh, countless, you know, the numbers, hundreds of thousands, millions, you, you hear different numbers, but anyhow, too many immigrants um, where many of them have proved to be terrorists. And so um, presumably they have some kind of tracking system. I mean, we know, we know they do uh, because of some of the terrorists who have slipped through their tracking system. But, um, but you know, I think that their tracking system, such as it is, um, is overwhelmed by the number of would-be, wannabe terrorists who have come into the country. So in any case, getting back to Spain, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great that, um, that they have such a strong uh, surveillance system and that that probably did uh, contribute or, or was responsible for why there hasn't been... Um, a major attack since 2004 until today. And, and again, you know, the 2004 attack was um, on a much higher scale. But, uh, you know, what this is showing is that there is no surveillance system that is perfect. Now, since 2005, in other words, since a year after their big attack of 2004, Spain has arrested more than 700 people in connection with terrorism. They've convicted dozens of people uh, in connection to terrorism, and they've imprisoned 120 people, again, in connection with terrorism. They've also foiled several attacks. So, uh, of course, what is this, you know, uh, the attack at Las Ramblas and Barcelona, there's the attack of today, is showing, you know, is a copycat. I mean, that's part of the problem that when terrorists see how easy it is to just rent a car or steal a car and, um, or a van or a truck and run over people, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not rocket science. And they see those people get, get to be in the news, even if they get killed, um, they get a lot of attention and notoriety. And this is part of why it makes it so much um, so attractive to future terrorists to compete, com, uh, copy the same kind of mode of attack. So, of course, you know, this, this ramming attack 
We've seen in Nice, France, London. We even saw uh, a car and knife attack in Ohio State uh, University in the States in 2016, where a few people were injured. Um, of course, the Westminster Bridge attack in London and, uh, and so on. I'm going to be talking a little more about these. But now, um, there has been some theorizing about this in terms of how societies seem to have three choices. Either they can try to secure open spaces by heavily fortifying them and transforming people's way of life. For example, I talked about that when I went to New York and um, saw all the, um, you know, there was that uh, car ramming incident in New York City not long ago in Manhattan. And even though that man so far has turned out not to be an, a radical Islamist terrorist, um, but rather a disgruntled man, uh, alcoholic, um, although it turned out that he didn't have a blood alcohol level at the time that he did it. He, was, he had been in the, in the military and he had been um, uh, let go and he was kind of angry about that. So he, you know, so far we haven't really found him to be an ISIS terrorist, but um, there were certainly, there were these stanchions, these um, concrete poles or, um, that were put in Manhattan, in Times Square, that fortunately stopped that car from doing more damage. But, you know, certainly, I, I mean, when you walk by those things, um, you are reminded, you know, these weren't stanchions that were there once before. I mean, before, back in the day. <laughs> and um, it, it triggers any kind of PTSD that you might be suffering from. So at the same time as you feel, oh, well, this is good because now I'm going to be more protected, um, it, at the same time, it serves as a reminder of terrorism. So, um, so anyhow, so that's the downside of uh, putting things in open spaces to try to prevent these kinds of increasingly common ramming attacks. Now, then another um, choice that society has, and, and they're not mutually exclusive, but it's to try to stop would-be terrorists by expanding the government surveillance system and investigation powers. And, you know, the downside of that is that it in increases the state's intrusion into our lives. So each of these um, solutions have a, an upside and a downside. And then, of course, the third way is to try to minimize the frequency and lethality of terrorism, presumably, you know, predominantly by uh, trying to foil terrorist plots, trying to help people to become uh, de-radicalized, um, and so on. And then, um, while learning to live with the threat of attacks and to be resilient. So now, I mean, yes, I talk about that, how important it is for all of us. You know, we in America can't really say, oh, well, it's really sad that there are all these attacks happening in Europe. Um, you know, we feel really bad for all these people. We may even know some of these people. And especially during the summer, there are lots of people who we know who are traveling in Europe. Um, but we can't, we can't uh, 
close our eyes to the fact that um, these same kinds of attacks can happen and will happen, undoubtedly, here. So um, what we need to do is to, to think of as if we are in, uh, imagine that we are in a marathon, that this is a marathon, that hearing about terror attacks almost daily, or weekly at least, um, is something that we are having to live with. And in order to best uh, become more resilient, we have to pretend or act as though, behave as though um, we are running a marathon. So people who run a marathon uh, train for it. They don't just, you know, get up that morning and say, hey, I'm going to run. Uh -huh. they, they train for months and months. And they, part of that training includes getting themselves more physically fit, uh, running more miles each day, getting eating properly, um, focusing on uh, becoming, making, making becoming strong a very important part of their life, not just physically strong, but also psychologically strong. And that's what we have to do by such things as addressing any kind of uh, illness that we have or any kind of vulnerability that our body has uh, by strengthening that, going to doctors, getting treatment, and similarly, psychologically, addressing any kind of vulnerability that we have, and particularly in regard to stress. I mean, we are, <laughs> there is no question, but that we are all under stress and from terrorism and here in America, from all this political unrest. I can't, it's so hard to read the newspapers or to listen to the radio. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel bombarded. Uh, I listen to a radio station in LA where it's all news all the time. And um, some of these things, you know, it, it's just hard to listen to. And I'm not talking about terror attacks. I'm talking about all the po well, political uh, jihad, political terror in this country um, where, you know, this, they have some, this person from this side talking and this person from the opposite side talking. And it's just a lot of noise and you want to scream. So, um, so that's a lot of stress on us. And there have been studies that show that the more stress we are feeling the, and the more we are physically hurting, I mean, you know, some kind of physical problem that um, hurts us like arthritis or um, an ulcer or a headache or any kind of physical illness or injury that causes us some pain and stress, stress from any cause, those two things affect our brain and um, make us more likely to misperceive things in a kind of paranoid way. So in addition to the paranoia from the media um, and from, you know, people on, uh, according to their political beliefs, um, there actually is something in our brain that is, that is causing us to misperceive things and as though we were in more, we personally, each of us, was in more danger. You know, we, we see things as more threatening. Um, to us. So when you, so you add that to the mix and it's really um, causing 
a lot of people, and we've certainly seen this past week, a lot of people to become violent and, um, and act out in ways that they wouldn't have in the past, misperceiving that, you know, everyone's out to get us kind of thing. So, um, so this is a very dangerous situation and you have to be aware of it and getting back to the marathon, um, you have to do things to uh, decrease the stress in you. And that can be, you know, a million, there are a million different kinds of things that you can do and you probably, you probably could name 10 of them because we hear about these things all the time. You know, things like um, putting flowers on your desk in your office, flowers or a plant, um, doing exercise, uh, you know, listening to, doing meditation, listening to um, music, new age music. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you, a lot of these kinds of things, but the problem is that people hear about it, can name it, but they don't do it. And the time is now to start doing these things. Um, now, the Department of Homeland Security in the U.S. has said in regard to this uh, attack in Barcelona, we will not let terrorism become the new normal. And that's sort of a key point, that um, we do not want to be desensitized, become desensitized to terrorism. You know, the pictures um, of the attack in Barcelona look just like the pictures of the attack in London, the attack in uh, France, um, you know, Germany. I mean, you know, other than seeing the different signs in the streets of the language of that country, you see people lying in the street with some people around them or being covered by, by coats or blankets. You see ambulances around them, and police cars. I mean, you know, the sight is sort of generic at this point. Um, and it's, it would be so easy to become desensitized to that. Uh, bodies lying crumpled and bleeding in the street. And, you know, it's very, when you look at that, it's very um, jarring and upsetting and scary. And so our mind would naturally try to desensitize us to that, to try to uh, calm us or try to make us not be as upset each time as we, that we see it. But we can't really let that happen because that means we're not going to be as uh, aggressive about stopping terrorism. So now let me um, tell you a little bit more about... Um, about the attacker, the man who drove the van. Um, his, his name is Maghrebi Driss Ukabir. And, you know, I found, this is really kind of, uh, I, I was looking for him on Facebook and it was kind of hard to find. I think maybe they might have taken his, his thing down. I don't know, but um, I did find in an Italian, uh, on, on an Italian website, an Italian newspaper, I guess, but on their website, they gathered pictures uh, of him from his Facebook page. And, um, you know, these pictures, uh, well, on the one hand, they look like other terrorists we've seen. Um, in particular, it reminded me of the Orlando terrorist uh, some of his attitudes but right now just looking at these pictures 
it, we, we have a picture of him sitting under an umbrella on the beach. And he's sitting on a towel and in a bathing suit, um, you know, with his shoes and his, his uh, like a pack, you know, a, a bag with him. Um, uh, and under this yellow and green umbrella, and he looks like a normal guy just enjoying wherever he is, which was probably in Spain, um, because that's where he was living. And, you know, with his legs crossed, this could be any guy on the beach. You wouldn't know from this picture that he was going to um, uh, ram his, his rented van into a street, into pedestrians on a street in Barcelona. Then we have a picture of him from his Facebook page um, with his dog. And he had, he's wearing sort of normal, you know, he's wearing sneakers and uh, um, like a hoodie. And, oh, he's wearing a Dulce, <laughs> Dulce and Gabbana uh, t-shirt, black and white t-shirt. And he has a black and white, interestingly enough, he has a black and white dog uh, sitting next to him. And uh, I don't know, the dog, <laughs> the dog doesn't look very friendly, but uh, hard to tell. Now, there's a picture of him with a uh, make a selfie you know taking a selfie and this is the picture that reminded me of the attacker in orlando the nightclub attacker and uh with that same kind of expression you know cocky and um uh you know kind of thinking he's cool and looking into the his camera so then we have another selfie. These guys like to take a lot of selfies. He's wearing um, sunglasses and um, uh, and looking in a mirror. And he has various. Uh, I think he was he cared about his grooming. He has lots of uh, grooming supplies in the bathroom. I'm presuming it's his bathroom um, in the. Uh, that you can see in this selfie and he's, he's doing like a thumbs up. It will be interesting to know when he took each of these pictures, how close to when the attack uh, happened, when he perpetrated the attack. And then there's another selfie in the bathroom. And then there was something um, with a, a mafia, um, mafia Maghrebin um, symbol. Then there's his dog again. Boy, his dog is kind of on a leash in like, I guess a backyard and it kind of looks like not a very, it looks like sort of a, I don't know, um, not a very great neighborhood or not a very clean backyard. I know I'm trying to, trying to uh, interpret these things as much as possible. Um, and then there's another picture. This looks like, there's a picture of him um, it doesn't really look like, it's hard to tell whether it's a selfie or not. It doesn't, he doesn't, he's not holding anything. It's like a headshot. And you know, God, it makes you wonder whether this was a picture that he had taken um, because he knew that, um, you know, like a picture that, and in fact, it is the picture that the newspapers, that, that the Spanish police and newspapers have started, um, um, showing to, you know, as, as the picture of the attacker um, putting out in the news. I mean, maybe, you know, to, to, uh, to show people who the attacker was. 
Anyhow, uh, so it's kind of interesting, and we will hopefully get to know the story behind these Facebook pictures. Um, let me just, what we, what we know so far about him is that, is that, um, wait a second, I have all these, all these uh, articles that I, first of all, he's around 28 years old. He was living in the town of Ripley, which is about 50 miles from Barcelona. Um, on his Facebook page, it said that he was born in Marseille, France, which is, you know, Marseille, France does have a lot of um, people coming from terrorist countries in the south of France. Um, so perhaps there was some kind of, um, you know, perhaps he did grow up amongst people who were planning terror attacks or at least sympathized with terrorists. This will be still to be found out. But I just want to say that um, I just want to go over some of the, just to remind you um, of some of the, oh, and I wanted to say what uh, President Trump tweeted. He tweeted after the attack, the United States condemns the terror attack in Barcelona, Spain, and will do whatever is necessary to help. Be tough and strong. We love you. Um, just as a reminder of the uh, vehicle attacks in Europe, you know, because when you hear about this, just to, when you get reminded of this, it really brings this problem, you know, the breadth of it um, uh, to be stronger because we do tend to forget some of these things. So this is the eighth attack, terror attack in Europe so far in 2017. Only in 2017, we're in the eighth month of 2017, and there have been eight uh, such attacks, vehicle terror attacks in Europe. And this, these attacks have resulted in hundreds of deaths and injuries uh, during these past 12 months. So sort of going backwards in time, we have the, um, the Levallois-Perret attack in, in Paris. This was an attack um, where it was in, on August 9th, so you may remember that. Um, it was uh, a, a terrorist that drove a BMW into a group of soldiers in a suburb of Paris. There were six people injured, three seriously, and then the driver was stopped on the uh, on a motor, motorway, and he was shot several times in the process. Then you may remember June 19th, there was the attack on the Champs-Élysées, uh, a uh, Renault car containing explosives and weapons, uh, an AK-47 rifle and handguns, was driven into a gendarmerie vehicle on the Champs-Élysées. And... Um, and the attacker was killed, and it was felt to be a botched suicide attack. Then we have the June 19th attack in London, where um, the, now this was one where uh, a rented, a driver was driving a rented van, and he drove into a group of people outside a mosque. 
And he, you know, sort of a turnaround, he was heard saying, I want to kill all Muslims, and this is for London Bridge. And there was one person who died in the attack. And of course, um, as I have talked about in previous podcasts, when people feel as though the government isn't doing enough to protect them from terrorists, um, these kinds of racial incidents are more likely to occur. Then June 3rd in London, a rented van was driven into pedestrians on the London Bridge. Uh, three attackers got out of the van and began stabbing people. Then they were shot by police. Um, then also eight more people died and 48 people were injured, of which 21 were critically injured. Then, um, you may not have heard about this, Stockholm, Sweden, April 7th, uh, a hijacked truck was driven into crowds on a popular shopping street in Stockholm. There were five people killed, 14 seriously injured, and they found a homemade explosive in the truck after the attacker abandoned it. Then we have the Westminster attack, March 22nd. A uh, Hyundai was driven into pedestrians on Westminster Bridge. The driver got out and stabbed a policeman to death before he was shot. Five people were killed in the car attack and 49 injured. Then Berlin, December 19th, that was the Christmas attack. A stolen truck was driven into pedestrians at a Christmas market in Berlin. The attacker had shot the driver of the truck in order to take it. This uh, attack killed 11 pedestrians and there were also 56 non-fatal injuries. And then um, this, the biggest one that uh, sort of began this, this um, succession of people copying, which this was the attack in Nice on Bastille Day, July 14th of 2016. Yes, it, well actually, yes, some of these, that's right, well a year from today, so this, um, well, a year, <laughs> this, a year from this summer, a uh, truck drove into crowds celebrating Bastille Day in Nice on the Promenade des Anglais, the Promenade of the English, uh, the English Promenade, <laughs> near the, um, board, on the boardwalk, there were 87 people killed, including the attacker, and there were 458 people injured. So that was the biggest of these attacks, but, um, but it has led to a succession of them. So what is the lesson? What do I want you to get from all of this? Um, that we, we can't get complacent. We can't think this is something that happens to other people in another continent. And, um, and we can't get desensitized to these horrendous attacks. I mean, of course you want to, you know, you want to look I and mean, everybody, um, you can't look away from an accident, but on another, on another level, you don't want to see it because it's just very painful and it brings to mind, even if you couldn't recite all the dates and places of the previous attacks, uh, it brings to mind they are in your unconscious mind. And when something like this happens in Barcelona, it triggers what you already have seen. So at that, on this note, let me tell you, uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Uh, I want to refer you to my website for more information and commentary about terrorism, which is www.terroristtherapist.com. 
On Facebook, you can put in The Terrorist Therapist and you will come to my Facebook page and please follow uh, and look at the things that are on that page as well. And um, coming in by 9-11, uh, the anniversary this year, is my book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And clearly it is not coming too soon because kids are going to be seeing this Barcelona attack splashed all over the news today. So, and they're going to want to know, even if they don't ask you in so many words, because they get the impression from you, you don't want them to ask you, uh, they're going to want to know what's going on in the world. So, thank you for listening again to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your Terrorist Therapist. <laughs>